I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, you're just going to have to hear the fan in the background. And you're going to have to hear the fan in the background while I talk about a new, um, well, I don't know if it's new, but a web series that I was, uh, that Black Twitter put me on to, and it's called Juju. Okay, so yeah, you're just going to have to put up with the fact that you hear a fan. It's um, hot in my home. Um, we don't have central air, so we have to use, um, we have to rely on window units to cool us down. And right now in my living room, um, it is not advantageous for us to have uh, window units here. So we use, we supplement um you know, we try to make keep it cool in here by the use of, um, with the use of a fan. And so, unfortunately, our fan is loud. Um, and this is on the low speed, so it is what it is. It's whatever. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, I haven't talked about this much, but, oh boy, I, I told my husband last night, I pray that, you know, this is the last week that we're going to hear, um, fireworks um really hope so um I'm, I because you know in my heart of hearts I'm thinking they they run out because you know it's like they've been popping them off since since May to be honest with you I remember where I was I can't remember if I said this on the show before but I was uh hubby and I before we uh, turned on the the well we put it in the the window unit in um in our bedroom and we just had the windows open with a little fan going and catching the night air um somebody again we live if if you're new to the show we live right now we live near a popular outdoor um a recreational area in the city and everybody goes there and even though the mayor has um for months now has jersey walls up um in front of the uh not the driveway but the roadway that that takes you into the um recreational area people park on the side of this major road um and then walk into this area because it's it's just that popular um and you can literally see the cars for my for almost a mile um on nice days especially a saturday morning and yeah almost in either well maybe not in either direction but definitely down the road from me um you can see the way this this major road is set up you can see the cars parked on the side for for folks going into the the recreational place for almost a mile um anyway and so it's it's a popular spot but anyway so at one something in the morning we were awoken to a flourish of um fireworks which is not an unusual story i guess folks around the country have been hearing that um have been telling the same story and folks at this point are saying it's a conspiracy theory um, I just think it's people with money and who are bored, who are like, ah, it'll be all right. I'm going to do this at one o'clock in the morning. Um, or maybe not. But anyway, that was just unnerving. 
And then to come to find out that a lot of people have been experiencing that, not only across the city um, and even across the state, but across the country. So anyway, um, but they're still happening. Maybe not at 1 a.m. anymore, but definitely when the sun goes down between tw- um, 10.30, 10, uh, 10 to midnight, they're definitely still popping off fireworks. Um, and I'm hoping that they go away because it's too hot for all of that. It's too humid. Oh, my goodness. It is so humid here. And it's like before it rains, it's like the most humid ever, right? And the minute it rains, it cools off and the heat is bearable. And then it gets humid again. And I'm like, son of a gun. Anyway, I don't mean to start this out complaining. It's just I'm a little sleepy. If you cannot hear, you probably can't. But anyway, I'm a little tired um, because I'm just trying to get my sleep pattern together. And I'm a little late on this episode, so I got my butt up to try to get this thing out because I have some other things that I need to do today. Anyway, um, yeah, so about today, so or about today's episode, um, switching gears because I want to keep, I want to get into what I wanted to talk about today. Um, so I do not, for the life of me, remember where I got the link to uh, Juju, this web series, the seven episode web series. But I clicked the link and was instantly taken to um, this website. And um, hold on, because I, now I lost it. Oh, no, it's I never heard of it before, but it was called the Fantasy Network on Unscreen. And I'd never heard of Unscreen before. So I assume the Fantasy Network is a channel on Unscreen. And I assume from what I'm looking at, certainly when you explore when you explore the um, site, at least on the Fantasy Network, there are a bunch of um, shows about um, witchcraft, but then sci-fi fantasy, basically. Um, So not necessarily witchcraft, but just like definitely fantasy. Um, Hence the name, the Fantasy Network. Anyway, but yeah, I was turned on to this, and it's clear that from looking at this, that Juju, the show itself, but then also these others on here, like The Hunted Origins, Tabitha, Witch of the Order, uh, Straw Wellers, Leaf and a- Emma, like none of these people, uh, yeah, Straw Wellers, A Small Favor, none of these people appear to be like, um, big time actors or anything like that. And the names that are attached appear to be like indie, maybe not indie, but not well-known names. And so I thought this was the coolest thing ever because what I hear about folks who are in the, the movie business and in film, um, it's hard to break in and get success. It's hard to get your thing, um, shown at, Cans at Sundance. It's hard. Like, I know Sundance was supposed to be created um, to make things a little bit easier, but it's hard. Um, and even if you're in there, it's like, it seems to be favorites that are picked. Um, and just generally speaking, it's hard to, as an actor, to break into uh, the movie business. It's hard as a director to 
or screenwriter to be taken seriously by some of the big networks. And so the idea that there is an independent or at least a smaller network of filmmakers um, or a platform that is supporting filmmakers, um, directors, writers, um, and actors in their craft, I think is pretty awesome. So I will have the, obviously I want to talk about Juju today for a specific reason and I'll get into that. Um, and it's actually Juju, the web series. Um, but I did want to say that, you know, I have the link to the series in the show notes. Um, but what I would ask you to do is just check this, this, um, check out unscreen because this seems kind of cool. Um, it seems like a good idea. And I hope that, you know, this brings success for everybody connected to it, because I think it's just an awesome idea. This is what you do. This is what you do when you can't break into their thing. And I know this sounds kind of crappy, but when you're not getting the respect that you know that your work deserves, when you're not getting the opportunities that you know you should be afforded to show what you can do, create your own thing and let, and, and then see how you can flourish. And so, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. This is awesome. So I will be checking out some of these other series on here and just generally speaking, exploring un, um, unscreen itself. So, but yeah, about... This, the reason in the first place why I was even drawn to Juju, again, somebody on Black Twitter, it, it, it came on my timeline and I was just instantly caught because I think I'm always thinking about spirituality and I'm always thinking about Black spirituality in particular. And uh, definitely two years ago, I created um, a whole series of, uh, in October um, or mini series. Um, entitled um, African American Folklore, scary stories, scary stories my daddy told me, and it was definitely in response to a dumb comment that um, Michael B. Jordan made about black folks not having folklore and him wanting to create something about it. just basically. I don't even know why he said it, except that he said that black he didn't believe that black folks had folklore, and. I was appalled and so were a lot of other black people um, who knew better, who had grandmothers that they listened to, who had um, seniors in their family, had older adults in their family that they listened to. And that's not me being elitist. It's just, well, if you listen to, <laughs> I no, I don't have to apologize for any of this. And this is me rash talking to myself. So whatever, get over it. Um, it's like he didn't talk to anybody older than 60 shoot older than 50 in his life in his family like he didn't even bother listening because I'm like you mean to tell me you black and you are you were born here in the United States and you mean to tell me that you haven't heard any black folklore like at all I find that very hard to believe but maybe not um so anyway I know a lot of people on social media and certainly some stars began to educate him in the best way possible or in the best way that they saw fit about black folklore that exists. And then I did those episodes because I did those two episodes because, um, number one, I had grew, I had grown up hearing stories and then, 
you know, growing and learning and going to college, I heard I heard more stories. Um, and so in those episodes, I talk about black folklore in movies um, and how it's respected or not respected. I talk about some of the black folklore stories that have been passed on. It's like a whole website that I think I cite in one of the um, one of those episodes um, of the folklore episodes, the black folklore episodes. I'd cite a um, website that talks all about that is basically just um, either documenting verbatim the story or sharing it as it was told passed down so it might not be totally accurate actually none of them might be totally accurate because what we know is that a lot of our black folklore was not written this was all oral history um and so you know people tried to tell it the best way that they remembered it but nevertheless it's going to grow and change as the teller changes right so anyway, um, get, go check those episodes out. I think they're still in, they hold up today, I believe. Um, because again, I don't know that a lot of us really know our history, really know our folklore, um, and the stories that were passed down. And, and then, but here's the other thing. It's like, on the one hand, I don't hardly blame folks for not knowing. I just do blame folks who have a position to know better and don't. Um, like Michael B. Jordan at the time, who had just come off who had been enjoying success from Creed, who had just come off of a, of a uh, major role in Black Panther and, you know, all this attention on him. And he's beginning, at the beginning of starting his own, I believe he has his own production company. And anyway, um, definitely he had the opportunity, the resources to know better. And yet here he was speaking, as stars often do, without knowing anything um, and saying something, stating it as fact when it's not. So anyway, I was just inspired to, to document um, my connection to black American folklore um, and kind of share it that way. So definitely check out those episodes if you find them interesting. But I also take a moment because I also take a moment to talk about black spirituality because you cannot Black spirituality is linked to our black folk, to our folklore. Um, And I talk a lot about voodoo, which is, did I say voodoo? I meant hoodoo. Hoodoo, which is uniquely American, uniquely black American. I am so sleepy. Let me get my thing together. Um, Hoodoo is a black American um, form of spirituality. Um... And I go into more detail, but long story short, you know, you know, we come from West Africa, many in our heritage, and it through up and through slavery, those enslaved Black folks passed along what they remembered um, from generation to generation, and while they were forced um, to worship um, their the person who enslaved them, the family that enslaved them's. Uh, religion, so they were they were um, forced to convert to Christianity. They still held on um, through the years to those spiritual practices that uh, their ancestors had taught them. Um, and so, yeah, so hoodoo definitely take a moment to look up what hoodoo is. Understand it to the best of your ability. You're not going to get it in one pass through. You're not going to get it in two pass throughs. Um, 
if you're like me, you grew up hearing, you know, phrases like two-headed women and haints and um, the significance of salt and brooms and not walking under a ladder and not splitting the pole. Those are all things related to hoodoo Um, and, and things like that. So when what drew me to Juju is the fact that Number one, juju itself is a part of hoodoo. It's also a part of voodoo in that juju is a talisman, I guess. It is a an artifact. It is a thing that is imbued with power that can protect you. Um, and so the idea is that you, ha- you keep this thing on you at all times as a form of protection from things that mean you harm, um, seen or unseen. Um, and so, yeah, so when I saw this, I was like, ooh, so is this gonna be, is this gonna be finally a good show about hoodoo and black spirituality and practitioners? Because, you know, I talk in the, I talk at length actually in the episodes, the Black American Folklore uh, episodes, well, one in particular, I can't remember if it's episode, the second um, episode in the in the miniseries, but um, I talk about how hoodoo is misrepresented. And I want to be uh, in, in film, misrepresented in film. And I want to be clear, hoodoo, when you look it up, hoodoo is different than voodoo. Um, it is kind of like cousin, but hoodoo is not organized. Voodoo is more organized, right? Um and I'll leave it at that. They're both have a lot of similarities and through lines, but the way that they're practiced is different. Hoodoo is not organized in any fashion, but there, there are, in terms of leaders, there are no leaders in hoodoo, right? Um, but there are folks who are well-versed in, in using, um, in practicing voodoo, actually. Um, and so anyway, listen to those episodes. Definitely do your own research, too, because it's very interesting how we practice our spirituality. Um, black folks, we come from spiritual people, no matter how you feel about it on your own. Um, and that's a whole nother conversation. I'm not going to go there. But um, anyway, I have I was interested instantly in this series because I thought it was going to say a little bit more about um, hoodoo and black spirituality in a way that that is maybe we've never seen before and definitely with more reverence. I was hoping with more reverence um, because certainly the movies and TV that we've had talking about it, not all of it is good. Um, yeah, not all of it's good. Even, even, um, oh shoot, I can't remember the video, the, the movie. Anyway, go back and listen to those episodes. I lay it out pretty clearly. I, I explain the movies and I talk about what they got right, what they probably missed. Um, and then, of course, here's the other thing all of those movies were directed by white folks. They had black folks in them, but they centered and were directed by white um, folks, which I think was really weird because hoodoo is black spirituality right 
And yet in the 80s, there was this fascination with hoodoo and voodoo. And a lot of times they got it mixed up. Um, not that I'm an expert, please. Not that I'm an expert. But there was a lot of, there were many times where they got it mixed up. Um, and they always had white folks that were, that were practicing it. Or at the very least that were drawn to it. And I'm just like, but why are the black people the vehicles for this white person to experience this religion? This spirituality, it's weird. It was very weird, but that was what we were doing. That was not we, huh. That's what um, the film industry was doing in the 80s, certainly in the 90s and parts of the 2000s, let's be real, it's still happening. So anyway, I was drawn to Juju the web series because I was like, ooh, so this is indie, this is not mainstream, so maybe they have more freedom to do their thing, to do what it is that they really come to do. And then I watch it and I'll get into the meat of this thing, but I was a little bit taken aback because your art is whatever your art is, but I was confused because while it said Juju, and I was certainly looking for some sort of, I mean, well, I told you what I was looking for. When I watched the show, I was thrown off and I was thrown off instantly because they kept using witch. And so let me just, so let me just start by saying this. So it was written by Moon Ferguson and directed by Bell Brooks. Neither people I've ever known. Anyway, so it's a series. It's a seven episode series. Um, and each episode is no more than 20 minutes. Uh, I think the shortest episode is like 13 minutes, something like that. So it's not like a huge lift, right? It's not a huge ask. You can watch the entire um, season in like an hour and a half, like or less than less time than that, actually. Um, anyway, so it's a story that takes place in Brooklyn, and it's really centered around these three black women and these three 20, late 20-something black women um, and one woman who's older, but we never quite figure out her age. Um, and they're all four of them connected, and I'll get into the meat of that, but... Right off the bat, apparently they're black witches. And that is the weirdest term to me because that is something that I hear over and over again, certainly in modern um, movies and or main, not modern, but mainstream movies and series is that black witches. And let me tell you why that's weird to me. Um, so everybody has watched at this point, everybody's watched American Horror Story, Coven, right? And so on Coven, you have Marie Laveau and they call her a witch. Marie Laveau wasn't a witch. She was a priestess. Unless I'm confused, unless I'm confusing things and I'm being a little bit too literal. She was a priestess, a hoodoo priestess, or maybe she was a voodoo. Actually, she was a voodoo priestess. Um, but nevertheless, she wasn't a witch. And I guess I'm saying this because growing up, which wasn't a term that I ever heard used to describe a woman who had connections to the other side or powers to the other. Actually, I, as I heard, it was connection to the other side. What I heard was that she was a two-headed woman. As I got older, what I heard was that they were, what I learned was that she was um, uh, a priestess, 
you know, or she was well versed. She could she could work that magic. She could work that mo- not magic. I didn't even hear magic. She could work that mojo. She could um she did root work. That person did root work. I never heard of the term witch before. Um, when referring to a um a black woman. Um. Yeah, and I actually, if I, yeah, so I heard those terms and then I also heard of it in terms that were related to Christianity. So again, I said uh, priestess. And so, like I said, I've talked about this before. Um, and in the, in the, um, the black folklore, episode one, black folk, black American folklore um, episode, I talk about how um, that hoodoo is very linked to Christianity and so is voodoo. Right. And so there is a reverence specifically in voodoo and hoodoo. There is a reverence to um, Christian figures or figures in the Bible. Um, And there's arguably one of the best known conjurers, conjurers. That's also another term that I use that I heard over witch. Um, Again, I never heard the term witch. Um, which was always something that I heard in reference to white women who cast spells. And that seemed unreal to me. But conjurers and folks that did root work seemed a little bit more real, a little bit more scary to me. Um, so anyway, but back to, you know, hoodoo's Christian elements. One of the best known conjurers, the, the best conjurers that is believed to have ever lived is Moses because he parted the Red Sea, right? With the, he harnessed the power of God to par, part the Red Sea. Now, I know a lot of folks, especially Christian folks that are listening to me, um, find that kind of um, sacrilegious. I don't know what to tell you about that. I, I have never claimed to be anything but um, a practitioner of Christianity. Um, I live my life that way. Um, but nevertheless, I cannot deny hoodoos. Again, I grew up connected to hoodoo, not like deeply connected. I didn't know any conjurers personally, um, but I grew up with it kind of always around me. And what we know is that um, black Americans are predominantly, uh, if they practice a religion, it's Christianity. Um, although um, Islam is, is growing and I understand I mean, well, it's just growing um, among the um, black American population. Um, But yeah, Christianity and hoodoo are hand in hand in a lot of cult in in a lot of families, I would say, um, in a lot of communities across southern uh, the southern United States and certainly probably outside of the, the Southern United States. And so obviously in it, um, hoodoo and the practice of hoodoo expanded across the United States through the great migration where, where black folks went. So did hoodoo because that's, you know, kind of how it works. So anyway, but nevertheless, if you take a look at hoodoo, um, and, and the way it is, um, practiced and some of the things that are talked about in the spiritual practice. You recognize that Christian figures, Christianity is all up and through it. Um, and even voodoo too. Um, 
And so, yeah, uh, spiritual leaders are often called priests and priestesses, not witches or warlocks, which I, I come to understand is a, um, a term used for male witches. I don't really know. So don't, I don't know a lot about witchcraft. I don't. Um, yeah, I just don't. And so I'm not trying to, to, I hope I'm not coming across like I know everything because I don't. I just, when I looked at, the, when I started paying attention to the series and we started, you know, the, the first episode, I was a little bit confused because they kept saying witch and black witches. And then what I also know is that, um, so this episode is, or this series is set in Brooklyn. And what I just know from listening to podcasts from people who live in and around Brooklyn or New York, the New York area, um, and then just surfing online and, and black Twitter is that there are a lot of black witches in Brooklyn, apparently. And so anyway, um, so yeah, I was just taken aback by that because I just, I guess I just need to understand. I, it's possible that I just need to take some time to understand a little bit more the use of witch, because again, or at least the modern interpretation of it, because that is not anything that I recognized as something that was used um, when talking about folks who were practitioners of hoodoo, Um, even voodoo, to be honest with you. And so when it said juju, juju is a term that's used in hoodoo and voodoo. And I already described what juju is. It's a thing. Um, Anyway, so I was a little thrown off by that, but then I get... I get to watching the season, the episodes and I'm like, okay, but what you're describing is folks that are connected to a form of hoodoo and a form of, well, definitely hoodoo, but then also a form of voodoo. Again, hoodoo and voodoo are completely, they're separate uh, spiritual practices. They have a lot of connections, but they're separate. Um, so definitely look into them. But anyway, um, let me just bring this back. So I've always associated the terminology with, um, yeah, honestly with white practitioners of, of witchcraft is even witchcraft is, is, is not something that I remember hearing or have ever heard except associated with witches and witches were white in my, in, in me, my understanding. Um, and so it's it, it also witchcraft and witches were associated with dark energy or at least how i understood it and i'm and i'm kind of trying to wrap my brain around it a little bit better as i as i'm just generally learning about spirituality i, I think i've shared over the years that i am I have always been, well, not always. I think in college, I became more interested in learning about other religious practices as a way to better understand my own religious practice. And so anyway, um, the little bit I knew about witches, what I heard was always that witches were dark magic. And so, um, whereas hoodoo was, was one of those things where it was, not dark magic, but if you did dark magic, that would come back to you. So only the baddest of the baddest did dark magic or not. I'm saying magic. Like that's a term that I used. No. Um, what, what was the term that I used? What was the term that I used? 
Um, yeah, I can't remember what was the term that I used, but it definitely wasn't magic. Um, but that if you practiced, oh, what was the, oh shoot, it's right on the tip of my tongue. But if you did bad things, those bad things would come back to you. But that there were people who didn't mind walking on the dark side, who didn't mind putting a root on someone to cause them harm, but that they were prepared for the consequences of what came back to them when they did those, when they did harm. Whereas with witch, with witches and witchcraft, I always thought that I always thought it was just bad. Um, and anyway, so one day, one day I'll talk about uh, Mojo Working. Um, it's a book. Hold on, what's the full title? Mojo Working: The Old African Ho- Hoodoo System. Um, it's by Chris Katrina Hazard Donald. Is it Hazard Donald? Yeah. Katrina Hazard Donald. You can get the book anywhere. Definitely on um, Audible. Um, But anyway, one of these days I'll talk about that. But um, probably in October. Anyway. um, But yeah, from the beginning of the show, I was drawn to it, even though I was thrown off by witches and witchcraft, because it was clear that this was a series focused on black women. And no matter how they were talking about it, uh, and the powers that they had, um, I was still drawn to it and I was still going to give it a chance. Um, I will say before that I get into these episodes that the acting is not great. Um, the acting is not great. There are a lot of plot holes in these um, episodes. It ultimately the season itself ties up in a way that is kind of like Saturday morning cartoony. Uh, think Power Rangers um, esque, but nevertheless, I appreciate that this work exists and I watched it anyway. So, but I did have to get it out of the way. The acting is not great. Um, I don't understand why they use witchcraft when then they turn around and talk about Santeria and, um, essentially describe all the connections to voodoo and hoodoo that these women have, but then keep talking about witches. Um, and again, maybe I just need to educate myself a little bit better. Um, and then also the way that they establish these women's origin is weird. Um, yeah. And I took notes trying to suss out what I thought was supposed to be happening, which already I feel like I was messing up because if I have to if I have to guess what you were going for in this episode, I think I've, in this scene, I think I've already failed. I, not I, I think you've kind of failed a little bit. Um, not that everything should be 100% trans, you know, clear, but I found myself filling in holes where I probably shouldn't have filled in holes, but, but there was nothing there. Um, but again, filmmaking is hard. Um, Yep. And then you got edits that you need to worry about. So anyway, I'm going to be gentle on this, but I did have to put it, get, put it out there that when you watch it, the acting isn't great, but it's cool for what it is. And I do wish lots of success for, um, excuse me. I do wish lots of success for, uh, Moon Ferguson and Bell Brooks, because I think they did do a really great job. I just think that with time, I think they'll Definitely Moon Brooks, uh, not Moon Brooks, but Moon Ferguson. I think they'll get 
a heck of a lot better. Anyway, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about each episode. I'm going to spoil it, but I think you should still watch it. Um, so again, there are, epi- there are seven episodes and I will go through as quickly as I can because um, I know I can talk um, all seven episodes. So stay tuned for that. Okay, so let me just go into it. So episode one is One Time for the Birthday Witch, or B-Day, that's how it's said. One Time for the B-Day Witch. And so, all right, so there are three characters, and the three girls are um, Allie, Yaya, and Gigi. And it's Allie's birthday. Um, And Yaya and Gigi are throwing her a party. Um, But first, a mysterious woman named Adioma um, they call her Ada, A- Ada, but just from now on, we're just going to go Adioma. Um, Adioma shows up. Um, actually, no, I'll take this back. So Adioma is out. We, we meet the characters, Ali, Gigi, and Yaya first, right? But then, you know, we get that quick under, actually, no, we meet Gigi and Yaya first. We actually don't see Ali first. Um... So we get to know, we get to understand that um, it's Allie's birthday and then we get to understand the personalities of Yaya and Gigi and all of that stuff. So we get that basic intro first and then we see a mysterious woman who's out on the street and it's clear that she's coming into um, the girl's um, apartment um, because it's a party, right? So Yaya and Gigi set up a party and they're... um, a party for uh, a party for Allie. And so um, Adioma, the mysterious woman, um, shows up and she knocks on the door and they open the door and they ruin their surprise for Allie on Adioma. And at this point, Adioma is looking like weird and out of place. Right. And so <laughs> Adioma and Yaya, though, have a quick exchange about the crystals that each one are wearing around their neck. Um, it's clear that Adioma is not from Brooklyn, but they didn't uh, quite explain exactly why she was acting weird at the time, right? And so Yaya and Gigi, definitely Gigi is over it. And Yaya is just like, okay, girl, well, enjoy the party, I guess. Anyway, meanwhile, across town, a couple is walking through Central Park. I believe it's Central Park. I assumed it's Central Park. Anyway, let's just say it's Central Park. Anyway, they stop to make out. When a white woman in a hooded cloak with glowing fluorescent green eyes appears. Pause there. If you, first off, why the heck are y'all in the park at night? But anyway, it's nighttime. I didn't establish that before, but it's nighttime. Um, anyway, so this couple is in the park at night and they're boot up and kissing and all of that stuff. But then a woman in a black cloak and glowing green eyes comes up on you and you don't instantly run don't understand that anyway um but she appears and she scares off though she scares off the girl but spellbinds the the man uh with a kiss on the cheek literally um the whites of this guy's eyes appear to go black as the spell overtakes him you know what i mean um anyway so the um green-eyed woman and the man that she now possesses walk off together and back at the party, Allie is still nowhere to be found. 
Adioma um, becomes acquainted with a Christian girl named Kim. And we know that she's Christian because she talks about being Christian and that um, she has a drink in her hand and that she's skipping church to drink, to, to come to this party and drink. And I'm like, okay, laying it on thick, but all right. Um, anyway, so Kim is a friend of the three girls. Um, so right off the bat, I'm going to just say this. Adioma switches bodies with Kim during a ritual. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, it's kind of weird. Anyway, Allie finally comes home um, from work and gets in. Uh, actually, she comes home from work and she's already irritated because she didn't want a party to begin with. And Gigi instantly gets mad. So Allie and Gigi go at it, which you're a terrible friend if you go at it for your with your friend on her birthday at her party that you're throwing for her. But Gigi, um, excuse me, Allie is mad because basically the party is full of Gigi's Instagram followers, basically. Gigi is, a, is an influencer. Um, we don't yet know what Yaya does, but we definitely know that Gigi is an influencer and that Allie works, you know, in Manhattan doing some fancy job, right? And so anyway, so they get into the little kerfluffle and then Gigi walks off because it's whatever. And um, Yaya's just like, well, we're trying to make the most of it. You know how that, you know how that friend dynamic goes. Um, and it's clear like Allie is just tired and she doesn't really want to celebrate her birthday, but here she is. Anyway, we learn that Allie is Dominican, um, which sounds like it'll be important later because it will be. Um, and the three friends settle down and have a moment together when the green-eyed woman's zombie walks up to Allie and begins to flirt. She and her zombie have come here for Allie. It's pretty clear. Um, Adioma, now in Kim's body, watches the interaction from a distance uh, between the zombie and all of the girls, actually. And Gigi berates the zombie for trying to flirt with a lesbian woman because... Allie's lesbian. Um, and the zombie uh, skulks away. Um, Yaya and Allie criticize Gigi for her meanness when the zombie comes back with a drink for Allie as an apology. Before Allie could take the drink, Ada, uh, Adioma, Adioma in Kim's body bumps into the zombie, knocking the drink out of his hand. And the green-eyed woman and the zombie leave. Um, the girls make fun of Kim because they say that she's drugged. She was acting funny and, and all of that. But what we know is that that wasn't Kim at all. It's Adioma. Um, Adioma goes back to the quiet room where Kim's body is still somehow bound. Um, so not only did she switch, uh, she jumped into, um, Kim's body, but she put Kim in Adioma's body. And then she, it, it, Adioma put Kim into her body and then she bound her body so that it wouldn't move. And so when, um, Adioma in Kim's body comes back to the room, um, to switch back with Kim, um, she's basically laying and Kim is basically laying at Adioma's body, still in the same place where, uh, Adioma had left her. Um, anyway, so Adioma reverses the spell and Kim is obviously freaks out and pleads the blood again. I, they're really laying this thing on thick, but I guess they wanted representation. Um, I don't know. Anyway, Adioma performs another spell to make uh, Kim forget about what just happened. And she does. Meanwhile, the three girls toast to Allie's B-Day with a strong drink and a cupcake. And then the night is over. 
The next morning, Yaya wakes up with a wicked hangover and Allie and Gigi end up in her bedroom. Um, Yaya can hear Gigi and Allie's thoughts and it freaks them all out. Um, and out of nowhere, Adioma shows up too. And in this moment, the big reveal happens. The girls are witches. All right. Um, and I don't know why I paused dramatically. I just, I'm looking at my notes and I just paused. Anyway, um, so episode two opens up and it's called Controller. And there's a method to the madness. Um, so the girls are walking to, I guess they, it appears to be they're, they're all going somewhere. So it's the next day and Allie's going to work and Yaya appears to be going to work. And I don't know where Gigi appears to be going because she's an influencer. So we don't get the sense that she has a job, but they're all three out walking um, in the, the next morning. And they're discussing what happened the night before. Uh, they're, they're discussing what happened um, earlier that morning. Um, and they're trying to wrap their heads around uh, Adioma's presence in the apartment and Yaya's ability to read minds. Obviously, Allie, who's already shown that she's a huge pessimist, um, dismisses the events and dashes off to work, leaving Yaya and Gigi behind. At work, Allie learns that a position has opened up at her job and her work friend encourages her to apply. Um, even despite Allie's negative self-talk, basically that she doesn't deserve the job, that she wouldn't be able to do the job well, which let's pull over here for a second. Sometimes we all struggle with negative self-talk. And so this whole scene was very relatable to me because there have been several times where I'm like, yeah, I couldn't do that job. And I defeated myself before I even kind of looked into what the job was asking for um, and matched it with my own skills and things like that. So anyway, I identified with Allie in the scene. Anyway, so their boss, the, the boss interrupts Allie and the, her coworker. Um, and begins to order Allie to do a, uh, to do her work um, and to take on the work of a vacant position. And as she beams with excitement about the opportunity, because this vacant, this is the same vacant position that she and her coworker were just talking about. And so right now in the moment, she thinks what everybody would think that, oh, you're trusting me in this moment to take on this role. And so she's a beginning to, she starts to thank her boss for believing in her and then, um, the boss like basically abruptly reminds her that she'll be doing the job just until they find someone else deflated. Allie begins to, um, write down the flurry of instructions. Her boss begins to spew. And as she begins to become more frustrated because she's like, dad, you just really played me. The boss keeps talking more and more. And she says, she says to herself basically that she wishes that he would choke. And then he begins to choke girl. Um, and so as she freaks out and begins to call the police, she wishes that he would stop choking. And then he just abruptly stops cho choking. Rattled, she asks to take the day off um, and work from home, and her boss agrees. Later, she stops at a coffee shop and waits in line. Ahead of her is the green-eyed woman, um, who puts a spell on the barista before serving Allie, before the barista serves Allie, basically. Um, and Allie orders a coffee and notices that the barista is acting weird. Um, like the zombie from the, like, she doesn't recognize this, but we recognize the viewer recognizes that the barista is acting just like the zombie that the woman made from the guy in the park, that the green eyed woman made from the guy in the park. Um, 
But anyway, she pays for the drink that she's about to get. And as she waits, the zombie barista um, makes her coffee, but then empties a vial of whatever the green-eyed woman slipped him. Um, yeah, so, and it's presumed, we presume in this moment that whatever this vial is can't be good for Allie and that it's going to hurt, hurt her. So anyway, the zombie barista hands Allie the coffee that's now been spiked and she, and, and Allie proceeds to find a table to drink her coffee in peace. Um, as she settles in, she begins to be curious about whether her boss choking was a fluke or something that she caused. So she begins to encourage patrons in the coffee shop to do little things to take a drink, you know, on her command or to stop typing or to turn a page of a book that they're reading, which I don't know why she chose those things. You're in a coffee shop where people tend to drink things at random. They tend to have their laptops and they tend to have books. So I just, I just weird, weird flex, but okay. Um, and so as she's trying to figure out if she has the power of suggestion, Adioma shows up to continue the conversation she was trying to have that morning. Um, Allie is unnerved by her presence and, and, you know, she kind of freaks out for a little bit, but Adioma freezes time. And um, as she freezes time, everybody freezes. Like they, they, they it's like the game where you're uh, red, light, green, light, one, two, three, and then you freeze, right? Everybody freezes. Um, and as Adioma is talking to Allie and telling her, listen, I'm, I'm not kidding. You guys are witches. Um, Adioma switches out Allie's coffee because Adioma understands that it's been laced with something that is dangerous to Allie. Um, and as she does, she noticed, uh, as Adioma is switching out the coffee and she's still talking to Allie, Allie notices very briefly that the barista is staring at her very weirdly, but then she kind of moves on. Um, anyway, Adioma continues to try telling her that she's a witch um, and that she got it honestly from her ancestors and to stop running from it. Um, Adioma tells her to be curious about the word, the world, but not about her own abilities. Abilities, But obviously, Adio- uh, Allie doesn't want to hear any of it. So she just leaves the coffee shop. And in leaving the coffee shop, Adioma gets frustrated and then frustratingly um, in her frustration, frustratingly, what? In her frustration, she unfreezes everyone with like the snap of her hand, like the flick of her wrist, she unfreezes everyone. Um, and so that's the end of that. Uh, well, no, that's not the end of that scene. We next switch and we follow at Allie and she's back in her room, um, in the girl's apartment. Um, and Allie is on her bed with a box of family keepsakes. She pulls out a scarf that looks to be fancy and very important and items that are clearly significant to ritual and spiritual sp- spirituality um, kind of fall out of the scarf, along with a picture of what looks to be Allie's mother and grandmother. Um, and there's also a little note that's with the picture and the other things that are found in the scarf. She reads it um, and stares kind of loggingly at the photo. Um, and as she does this, Adioma's words, the same words where she said, be curious about the world, but not about your abilities or be cautious, sorry, be cautious about the world word, be cautious about the world, but not your abilities begins to be scrawled across the note in cursive. And obviously Allie freaks out. And that's the end of that uh, episode. 
And then we go to episode three, which is Witch Don't Kill My Vibe. Now, this episode is all about Yaya. And the episode opens and Yaya is texting Gigi and Ali outside of the metro station. Obviously, it's still the same day. It's just later in the, uh, a little bit later. Um, yeah, so I guess what's happening is we walked through a full day with um, Ali. Now we're going to walk through the full day with uh, Yaya. Um, and so anyway, so this is the point where Allie has already split and she's gone to work. And so Yaya has then split too and um, is, a, is right now outside of her train platform that she needs to, or the subway station that she needs to go into to get to work. Um, and so at this moment, Gigi and Allie are texting each other about, actually all three of them are texting. Um, both Yaya and Gigi feel bad about how they treated Allie. And I guess I missed what they did apart from the fact that Allie was mad that they were talking about witchcraft and she didn't want to talk about it anymore. So she kind of storms off to go to work. Um, But anyway, so the girls are trying to talk to Allie um, via text, but Allie just wants to be left alone. As Yaya is texting the girl, um, the girls, a couple comes out of the metro station and bumps her hard. And this is kind of a continuation of Yaya's terrible, no good, very bad day. Um, anyway, uh, needing to get to work, um, Yaya heads down this, the platform to wait for her train. And she sits next to a seemingly homeless woman and she pulls out a, like a, like a wellness baggie with like vitamin C and other vitamins and nutrients and things. She pulls this little baggie out of her purse and lays it next to the woman before getting up and getting on her train. Um, which is the sweetest gesture, the the cutest gesture, but I cannot tell you that I would use anything that was anything that was left in a little baggie and I ne- that was sitting next to me and I don't know who left it there. Got to be honest with you. It was cute, but ain't nobody using anything in that bag. Um, anyway, on the train, Yaya begins to hear thoughts, the thoughts of everyone around her. And as you can appreciate, it's overwhelming. She tries chanting a calming phrase to herself, here, now, present, but it doesn't work. So she gets to work and goes to the bathroom. It's loud there too, but she's able to put on some um, calming, like meditation sounds, you know what I mean, like like the, the meditation recordings, and begins to repeat the calming mantra again. For a second, it sounds like she's on a beach and things quiet down. As she hears all the waves crashing, um... She, it's like she begins to hear the loudness of the room, but then the waves overtake the loudness of the room. And it really does sound like to her that she's on a beach. And she begins to just like really be calm. All of a sudden there's a knock on the the door and she snapped out of it. Um, We see that she's in a single stall bathroom and someone has to use it. So she snaps out of it. She gets back to work. Um... She works at a garden shop. It's clearly her garden shop. And I think we're supposed to understand that her roots are Jamaican in this moment because the shop is called Natty Garden, which it's called Natty Garden. She has locks, but they're clearly faux locks. And I'm just like, and so the locks are supposed to let you know that it's just one more indicator that she's Jamaican, but like they're not even real locks. So, but I guess she had to do something to try to tie them in. Um, to try to signify that this woman is Jamaican. 
or she has Jamaican roots. Anyway, um, so she's getting to work, even though she's overwhelmed and her head is not feeling great and she doesn't know how to keep herself calm. Um, she gets to work outside with the plants and her employee, Coop, starts talking to her. Once again, she can hear Coop's thoughts, but he's not listening to what she's talking about. Like he asked her, he did the thing where he asked her what's going on with her, but then he's not listening to her at all. And she knows this because she can hear his thoughts. And he's thinking about uh, one of his coworkers who he has a crush on. Anyway, Yaya's miserable um, because she can't find an effective way to turn down the noise in her head. Um, so she moves inside the stop that she moves inside the shop um, and waits for Kim, who again, Kim from the party. Obviously, Kim works in her garden shop, um, but Kim is late. Kim is running late today. Um, and Kim comes in late and she's like, sorry, I, I had to. I just had a rough morning and I just I, I couldn't come in today. Um, but Yaya says she's had a really hard day, too. Um, and then Kim comes over and um, gives Yaya a big hug. And she thinks to herself, girl, yeah, I've had a, uh, an unbelievable one, too. I've been roofied. I was roofied at your party last night, but I miss Cleo lookalike. And then obviously Yaya can hear this. So instantly Yaya pulls away and asks, who's the Miss Cleo type? And Kim instantly begins to describe what she what the, the Miss Cleo type looked like and what happened. And then she says, wait a minute. Did I say that out loud? Because I must be really tripping because I didn't I thought I thought that instead of saying it. Um, obviously stunned. Yaya tries to laugh it off saying, oh, yeah, girl, you did. You had a, you must have had a rough night because you surely did say that out loud, even though you and I both know that uh, Kim thought that and Yaya could read her thoughts. Anyway, uh, Yaya quickly hands Kim some herbs and oils to make her feel better. And we understand that Yaya is uh, going to go and lock up the store later. So Yaya has, uh, is like an herbalist, I guess, if that's a phrase, where she's in tune with the power of nature, right? So we are supposed to get that sense because she owns her own garden store and that she knows how to harness the healing power of herbs and things like that, herbs and spices and oils to make folks better. And so Kim knows this. Apparently a lot of people knows know what uh, Yaya can do with herbs and spices and things like that. So Kim obviously is coming to get this concoction and she believes that it really will make her feel better. Um, so yeah, so Yaya closes up the store and so we see her doing all of that and then we see her get on the train. And then she's in a car by herself and a man stumbles in and it appears that Yaya knows him like she's helped him before. Um, anyway, but the man is acting strange or like he's drugged. She uh, she hears his thoughts, but they're they're violent. Um, and then he grabs her and it's not clear if he's warring with something internally or not. But he tells her to run and in his he, he tells her to run in his mind um, and she does and she breaks free. Well, she breaks free of his grip and then she runs. Unfortunately, she's very far from her apartment. The point at which she gets off the train um, and then runs, she's not close to her apartment. And so she begins the long trek to the apartment. And as she gets closer um, to her own apartment, she sees Adioma, who's clearly waiting for her. And she, um, Adioma begins to convince Yaya to get the other two girls in line 
that something is coming for them all and they all need to have their wits about them. Clearly, Adioma knows that Yaya is more in tune with her spiritual powers, which is why she's able to talk to her the way she is, she does. Um, and so, um, basically, Adioma, Adioma tells Yaya that Ali is trying to is is gonna run from her power, but you need to get her. You need to help me get her to tune into her power, and that Gigi is going to abuse her power, and you need to try to help me stop her. Reluctantly, Yaya agrees to bring the girls in line before uh, charging past Adioma and going into her apartment building, leaving Adioma on the sidewalk. Just then, a storm crowd, uh, a cloud rolls in, um, and it's, you know, we hear thunder and lightning. And as Adioma looks towards it, we get the sense that trouble is brewing. Okay, so I think for the last episode, I forgot that the title of episode three was uh, Witch Don't Kill My Vibe. Um, And so now episode four, entitled The Baddest Witch, is all about Gigi. And this episode, we find Gigi in, um, well, it opens up and and Gigi's in bed. She gets a text from someone she calls Lawyer Bay. um, And he's trying to take her out to lunch. Clearly, it's like late morning. Gigi declines, saying that she's sick. She puts the phone under her pillow and rolls over to face um, who she calls Kyle, a guy who, who she calls Kyle, um, and he's laying next to her. Um, they are supposedly just friends, but they're friends with benefits. He begins to question who she was texting um, and basically wanting more out of their sharing that he wanted more out of their friendship. Um, when Gigi puts a spell on him, she tells him that they were never going to be more than friends and that he she, he's fine with it. Um, it's like a spell of suggestion, I guess. She also tells him to leave. And when she wakes him up, he climbs out of bed, instantly grabs his clothes and leaves the bedroom. He immediately runs into Allie, who questions why he's naked. Because um, at the moment, he was just in his drawers. Um, and he had all his clothes and shoes in his hand. Um, but he tells her he has to go, and then he does. Allie goes to Gigi's room to grill her about what just happened, only to find that she's arguing online with a hotep troll. Allie urges Gigi to put the phone down um, and explain what happened with Kyle. Gigi excitedly does so and then tells her um, that she put Kyle under a spell. Allie, who obviously doesn't believe in any of this stuff, um, says that the this quote-unquote magic stuff is foolish, um, even though, as we all know, Allie had her own personal experience with her boss and had a weird experience in the coffee shop. As Allie is expressing her disbelief, Gigi makes plans to go to her friend's gallery opening, like her art gallery showing that night. Um, because obviously Gigi is excited to use her powers. And remember, so far what Adioma told Yaya is coming true that Allie is running away from her powers um, and Gigi is embracing them, but in all the wrong ways. Anyway, intending to see what she can do, Gigi puts on a freakum dress and goes to the gallery opening. Gigi arrives at the opening and is immediately the center of attention, drawing the eyes of every man in the room. This implies that Gigi is casting spells on them or whatever to get them to give her attention and to give her drinks. 
Um, Gigi sits on a couch and has a like something like this was the weird this was a weird scene I gotta be honest with you but anyway she's sitting on the couch and there's something like a revolving door of men showering affection over him over her the problem is some of those men repeat and we're, we're supposed to get the sense that these are new and different people but like it's like the same four guys anyway it was a low budget um anyway um anyway she gets men coming to her even those that clearly came with other women but anyway, in the middle of all the positive attention that she's getting, she runs into the Hotep Twitter troll from earlier. Um, and obviously they have a terrible exchange. And Gigi, in that moment, they're arguing. Gigi, Gigi decides that she's going to use her powers to freeze everyone, right? Just like Adioma did in the coffee shop. But not only does she freeze everyone, she then orders the troll to kill himself. But out of nowhere, um, out of nowhere, he finds a deadly object and puts it to his neck, ready to plunge it in there. But he doesn't do it just yet. Um, and then he he appears to be frozen. Um, oddly, though, and I don't know if this was on purpose and I bet you it wasn't. Um, but oddly, and well, I'll, I'll, this is a loose end because I never really go back to it. Um so there is one man that is slightly unfrozen, um, but we don't spend much time on him. Anyway, just as Gigi is about to give the final command for the troll to take his own life, Adioma shows up to stop her and Adioma unfreezes everyone and Gigi storms out of the gallery. Um, obviously, Adioma is following her. Um, she tries to convince Gigi to chill and to use her powers for better things. Um, and in this, excuse me, in this exchange, we learn that Gigi is from Louisiana, but grew up in Florida. Um, as she pushes Adioma away and begins to flirt with a man who, the same man that was partially unfrozen um, when she froze everyone back in the gallery. Um, turns out that he's from Louisiana as well. And they begin to chat. Um, but as they're chatting, Kyle pulls up because apparently... Um, Gigi has texted Chi uh, Kyle to come and pick her up. Um, and when he pulls up, I get the sense that Kyle is still very much under her spell, but I don't know if it's the I'm sprung spell or the Gigi is a, a quote unquote witch spell. Anyway, Gigi gets in the car and then she's buckling up and then Kyle and the guy from Louisiana have an awkward stare down exchange. Um, and then Kyle drives off, basically. She asked, he asked who the heck that guy is. And obviously Gigi says, oh, it's just some guy. It's nobody. And so they drive off. And that's the end of that episode. Episode five is Calling My Spirits. Um, and it's the next day. So we're led to believe that the storylines with each girl happens in the same day, as I mentioned earlier. Um... Anyway, Yaya is pacing outside of Allie's bedroom and she can hear Allie questioning herself in her own mind. Yaya goes into Allie's room and confesses that she believes they're linked because they have the same relic. And then we begin to see that one of the, one of the stones that Allie had had some markings on it. And then Yaya, when she's confronting Allie, um, she has a similar stone of a different color, but with the same markings. Um, 
And Allie said, or Yaya says that she believes that they're like linked because of these, they have the same stones. Allie, who is still in dis, Allie is in disbelief, but it, we get the sense that she's coming around to the fact that they might both have powers, but she still doesn't believe that they're related and in any way. At the same time, Gigi wakes up in her room and Kyle is laying next to her. She doesn't remember anything from the night before. Kyle, though, obviously does. And he's rattled by uh, Gigi's behavior um, that night, even though they aren't exclusive. He questions her about the man from Louisiana and confronts her about all the men she took pictures with um, and that posted on IG. He gets upset and begins to scream. Gigi declares that um, their friends with benefits situation isn't working and she orders him to leave and I don't know if she put a spell on him in that moment or that she tried spell to put a spell on him but it didn't work because he was so angry whatever anyway he doesn't immediately leave and then she gets angry and seemingly seemingly goes even harder on her powers and to get him to leave as he leaves she tells him that she wishes he would fall and hurt himself and he instantly does as she rushes to his aid, though, his eyes change colors, and we see the same peculiar markings found on Gigi and Allie's stones. Kyle is unconscious, and Gigi screams for Allie and Yaya to help her. Um, and I, I, I can't remember if Kyle gets up and then runs out of the house, or that we just don't see him again, but we don't see him in this episode again. The next scene is Gigi and Allie and Yaya sitting in their living room facing Adioma as she stares them all down, smiling, um, clearly pleased that the girls have finally been broken down um, to the point where they understand that something is amiss. They have some powers and they need to come to terms with it. So apparently in this moment, um, Adioma is like, they're ready to hear these, this real truth. So the... Uh, Everybody's shaking up, though. Um, and so Adioma um, lets the girls kind of stew in their own emotions for a second before she tells them all that they are, in fact, all related. That they are descendants of hers, in fact, and that she is what Westerners call a witch, too. Gigi makes a point to say that her mother is dead and that she doesn't have any family. Yaya and Ali object, and Alioma, well, they object saying that we're your family. And uh, in the sense that, oh, we're best friends and we love each other type of family. But Adioma reminds them that they are all actually her descendants. And no matter how they got there, they are all related. She encourages them to settle into the belief that they are witches as well. Just then, a book of what appears to be a spells appears in Adioma's hands. Allie recognizes some of the pages to be those that were passed down to her in um, some of the pages that she had in in that uh, scarf are now in the book. Like, I don't know how she recognized that, but she did. Anyway, um, Ali and Yaya place their relics on the book. Um, Adioma looks at Gigi and tells her that there's space for one more relic, but she has to make a phone call. And the episode ends. Episode six is called Love Drought. It's the evening of the same day, um, and we find Allie in her room setting, sitting in front of a pentagram, a pentagram made of salt uh, with relics of her mother and grandmother on top of it. So the scarf and the photograph and the stones. Um, Yaya senses that Allie is up to something and taps on her door. Startled, Allie uh, tells Yaya to go away, that she's not feeling well. Yaya knows something is wrong and knocks on the door again. Now, Gigi joins her and they both know something's up. 
Gigi asked Allie if she had to put, if she had the spell book and Allie lies and says she doesn't because definitely she did. Um, but Yaya and Gigi both know that she's lying. Suddenly, Adioma appears and uh, appears behind um, Allie and Gigi um, and barges into Allie's room. Um, she discovers that she discovers the pentagram and the relics and becomes furious. She instantly knows that Allie was trying to resurrect her grandmother and she tells her not to, that she's not strong enough for all of that. Adioma tells Allie that her grandmother is waiting for her and that seems to comfort her. Um, and then to put the cherry on top, I guess, Adioma says a phrase in Spanish that apparently even is more comforting to Allie and Allie begins to soften. Um, meanwhile, Gigi leaves a message for her dad. Uh, she, you know, she goes to her bedroom and she begins to leave a message for her dad asking if her mother left her something, uh, at the time of her death, clearly it's a hard call for her to make. And it's clear that they, she doesn't have much of a relationship with her father following her mother's death. Um, so she abandons the call basically like she makes the, the message, but she doesn't like it. It's not clear that she deletes it, but she definitely doesn't finish speaking. And so she just hangs up. Um, and in that moment, after she hangs up, Gigi takes a moment to cry um, before getting herself together and, and rejoining um, Yaya, Ali, and Adioma in the living room. We are reminded that Ali is Dominican, Yaya is Jamaican, and that Gigi's people are from Louisiana and are possibly Creole, and that they are all descendants of Adioma who is using the body of a woman from the present um, and that she herself is a very old woman, centuries old. And in this moment, it's time for lessons. They're going to use the relics or juju that they have to harness the power of locating, um, locating people, locating things, what have you. Since Gigi wasn't able to actually talk to her dad and still doesn't have her mother's uh, juju, uh, Adioma lends her hers. Um, and then he, she proceeds to instruct the girls to go to their rooms and concentrating, each one is supposed to locate one of their roommates. Gigi locating Yaya, Yaya locating Ali, and Ali locating Gigi. It works for Gigi and Yaya, but not Ali, because clearly Ali is still faking like she doesn't believe. Again, Allie, the same person who was just trying to conjure her grandmother now does not believe in magic or does not believe in the ma in, in, in the mad the powers that she's supposed to possess. It's very bizarre. Anyway, um, she has a fit and leaves for the rest of the evening. And then Adioma tells uh, uh, Gigi and Yaya that a witch must come into her own powers on her own. So the next scene, it's the next morning. And we see Gigi in the living room preparing to record a video. Remember, Gigi is a, an influencer. Um, so anyway, she's about to get started when she hears a knock on the door. When she reluctantly arrives to the door, no one is there. However, she does notice a small package has been left at the stoop. So as she opens the package, well, she opens the package and she finds that it's a small relic with some peculiar markings on it. And the peculiar markings are the same that Allie and um, Yaya have on their um, jujus, jujus, their stones. Um, anyway, as she begins to read the note from her father, which includes, uh, basically she's, basically her father's like, this is the thing that your mother left you. So while she's reading that note, Kyle comes to the door with flowers and champagne. 
Um, and he apologizes for his behavior from the night before and begs to be let in. At the same time, though, across town in Yaya's flower shop, she comes in and there's a line of angry customers mad that all of their plants have died. As they all share their angry stories, Yaya tells them to shut up um, using her powers, and they do. She's got a long day ahead of her. Um, all right, so back to Gigi at the apartment. She reluctantly lets Kyle in and um, also reluctantly agrees to have one drink with him, one little sip. She does, and you guessed it, it's dosed with something, and she passes out on the floor while Kyle is looking on. He mumbles that she should have waited, which I guess is the nod to their argument from the other morning um, when he said that he had something they needed to tell her, but she kicked him out. I don't really know, but it was weird. That, that last final exchange was weird while she was just clearly laying on the floor, uh, passed out. Anyway, the final episode, uh, episode seven, um, is have you ever seen, well, it's entitled, have you ever seen a witch go apeshit and shit is spelled with an X or maybe it's shicks. I don't know. Anyway, it's a few hours later in the same day. Um, and we see, we're in Yaya's in this scene, we're in Yaya's flower shop. Coop comes into work and apologizes for being late. He heard about the drama from the morning. Um, with the, all the angry customers and yeah, it's not the next day. It's just hours later. Right. So this is one of those things where they're trying to capture multiple scenes that are supposed to be happening at the same time. Right. Anyway. So Coop comes in, he's like, Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm late. I heard about the drama from this morning. And as a, as a, uh, Yaya shrugs it off as he hands her a cup of tea. She instantly says thank you, but questions why he would bring her tea when she always brews her own. He reasons it away as saying it was a nice gesture. She accepts the drink, but definitely puts it to the side. She does not drink it, right? And as we know, smartly, because something is fishy. Anyway, he comes back and um, he acts like he's going to walk away and go get to work. But then he comes back at, to her and asks, basically asks her out. Now, remember, what we know is that He's actually into another one of her coworkers or one of her employees. But anyway, she's like, okay, well, I like him anyway. So sure. She accepts. Um, yeah, basically she accepts his gesture. She agrees to go out on the date with him, but she also tries to uh, read his mind, but she can't. Um, so anyway, she agrees and he skips off and gets to work. Meanwhile, we flash forward and it's the end of the workday now. And we see Allie at her desk. She is swamped with a lot of last minute work to do. Her coworker invites her out for drinks with some other buddies, but she declines. As her coworker walks off, Allie gets a text from her boss with a last minute assignment. And she gets so angry that her powers make the lights go out. Next thing we see Allie in the coffee shop from a few episodes ago, the very same one. Um, she's in line when a woman in front of her bumps her and some things drop. As they both bend down to pick up fallen items, the woman grazes her hand and we see sparks of white lightning pass between them. Um, the woman gives Allie her card as they stand up. She encourages Allie not to be scared. And I guess in this moment, we're supposed to believe two things. Number one, as we know, Allie is a lesbian. Um, and so we are to believe that the woman that bumped into her is one too, and that the sparks also mean that she's a witch as well. 
Um, and so the don't be scared is kind of like twofold, I guess. Anyway, so the woman walks off and leaving Allie her card and Allie is now in line kind of bubbly, um, waiting to get to the counter to order, to place an order for coffee or whatever. Um, as she gets up to the counter, she becomes instantly in distress. She's clearly in pain and the staff come to her aid. Meanwhile, again, it's still the end of the day. Yaya's out on a date with Coop and walking and talking. They seem to be having a really nice time. However, we learn that she is, not however, in their talking, we learn that she's biracial and that her father is a pastor, I mean, a professor. As they are um, walking, Yaya tries to read his thoughts again, but she can't. Then um, she gets the sense that Allie is in trouble that Allie's in pain. Um, Back at the coffee shop, Allie is doubled over in pain when Adioma arrives. Allie tells her that it's actually Gigi who is in pain and she's just feeling Gigi's pain. Adioma tries to locate Gigi, but she can't. So she insists that Allie needs to do it. Uh, Reluctantly, Allie uh, locates Gigi and they both leave the cafe. Back with Yaya, She's worried about Gigi and Allie when she notices that just ahead of where they were walking, Gigi is laid out on the ground, basically. Um, And she runs to her and she tries to wake her. Just then, Allie and Adioma uh, arrive and run to Gigi as well. Now both Coop, who was with um, uh, Yaya, and Kyle, who comes out of nowhere, um, team up. And they both have a neon, they have like a neon green cuff on one of their wrists. Um, the same neon green of the woman with the neon green eyes. Um, clearly, they've been spot- zombified by her. Adioma encourages Allie to chant a spell. She does so reluctantly at first, but then she chants it with more authority and the cuffs break free from the men. And the men instantly fall and they're stunned for a little bit, but then they wake up. And then they wake up and they're completely unaware of what happened. Uh, Gigi also wakes up and Yaya could read Coop's thoughts again. He clearly doesn't want her, but she knew that. Um, Kyle asked Gigi what happens, what had just happened. And Gigi, who all of a sudden now has her wits about her, tells her, tells Kyle that uh, they were on a double date with Coop and Allie and that they got mugged. And that's what happened. Um, And as everyone is still reeling from what just happened, the green-eyed woman appears, congratulating their efforts. She also tells Adioma that she hasn't aged a bit. And the scene ends with them staring each other down, with some weird music in the background, too. Um, And that's the end of the, the season. So we get the sense that Adioma has come to empower Ali, Gigi, and Yaya for a fight that's ahead of time and coming in the, in the near future and that she needed to help them hone their powers and exercise their skills so that they can be ready for a fight that's coming to them. And apparently the green eyed woman is the person that's bringing some, the fight. Um, and that Adioma and the green eyed woman have known each other for centuries. And so I guess that's a setup for season two. And I'm like, okay, I would watch season two. Um, 
but I would, yeah, there's no but. I would watch season two because I think the concept is really interesting. The story's decent. Um, the acting and the editing could use some attention. Certainly the sound quality is not great, but I really do like the story. Um, and even though they keep calling themselves witches, and then even at one point, Adioma says witch is a, she said a Western term. No, she said witch is a European term, which it is. Um, I just, I want to hear more about, I want to see their powers develop. I want to see more of references to Santeria and hoodoo and voodoo um, in the next season. And they have the opportunity to do that. Um, and since it's on this independent network, I'm hoping that there's a mechanism in place that, you know, depending on views or whatever, that they are given the resources to do a season two, because I think it's going to be good. Um, because again, this was creative, even with its flaws, it was still very creative. So yeah, um, I encourage you to click the link in this episode to go to, um, Unscreen and the Fantasy Network to watch this web series because it's cool. And then I also encourage you to watch the other things that are on there because I'm quite sure that those things are cool as well. So anyway, it did not give me exactly what I wanted, um, but hopefully season two will give me what I need anyway. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I was glad that I was stumbled upon it. I'm glad that somebody on Black Twitter pointed me to it and I want to learn about more opportunities like this, more opportunities to support black filmmakers and, and actors and things like that in this way. So um, yeah, definitely, if you have any recommendations of any independent black series or uh, films, definitely drop me a line. Um, there's a link to my voice notes. You can drop me a line. Um, I keep saying drop me a line, but you can leave me a voice note um, all you have to do is click the note, the, click the link and it'll take you right to my page, which will lead you to a button where you, once you press it, you can leave me a message. And then once you're done, um, you can send it. So anyway, and as always, while you're on my page, if you want to donate, that would be pretty cool as well. Um, even 99 cents will be a helpful contribution as I always say. But then again, if you don't donate or if you don't want to donate because that's not your thing, you can definitely, absolutely, positively share this episode with somebody that you think might enjoy it or share um, some of my other episodes with people that you think might enjoy it. Like like the ones that I have mentioned at nauseum at this point, the um, Black American Folklore, uh, Scary Stories My Daddy Told Me. Um, share those episodes with somebody that might be interested in it. Um, that would be pretty cool. Um, because at the end of the day, the more people listen, the more it spreads the reach, expands the reach of this show. Um, and the other thing that expands the reach of this show is to leave favorable comments. Um, so I've already told you that some anonymous person left me a five-star rating. And if you want to do that, that that's cool too. Um, I'd also welcome any notes that you have, um, or any lines that you'd like to drop. Um, with that five-star rating, I would appreciate that. And I will definitely shout you out on the show. Um, yeah, but just definitely rate and listen. Rate positively and listen. Um, because that's going to help me out tremendously. So yeah, thank you so much for listening, though, on all of those places that you listen. Um, Podcast Addict, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, um, 
CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all the places. I just really, really, really appreciate you for taking the time to listen when you did not have to. Um, so yeah, just finally go check out this uh, TV show, this web series that I was just talking about today, and all the other great media that's probably on that um, platform too. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go take a nap. No, I'm not. I'm going to work. Anyway, um, have a great day or a great evening or a great afternoon or whatever. Um, until next time.